Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. There is a Van Gogh painting of Starry Night now hanging on the walls of the St. Louis Art Museum. Just hearing those words probably brings to mind an iconic image, or maybe even a song about the iconic image. Starry, starry night. But this is not the starry night you know from a million prints, t-shirts, and coffee mugs. That scene of a blue swirled sky over a little French village. That one is titled The Starry Night, and it's in the collection of MoMA in New York. This starry night is on loan from Paris. It's one year older, it shows actual stars, and it's titled Starry Night Over the Rhone. Our intern Joshua Phelps asked art museum patrons what they thought of this version of Starry Night, and here's what they had to say. It's being very aware, much aware of where you are, and it's your interpretation. Everybody looks at night differently. To me, it's just a beautiful interpretation of, of night, nighttime. Magnificent. Just magnificent. Um, the colors, the shapes, his vision. The whole exhibit is magnificent. What just reminds me of when we were um, out of the country, it's kind of like you have the sails, you have the water, you have the reflection of the stars. I mean, I just love it. I think it's more of a nightscape than a starry night. Yeah, nightscape yeah, over water. This, is, this, this one, I think the stars are more prominent. You know, that's like the focus. And this, I think the focus is not the stars. I think it's the whole scene and, and the water. Tiring. <laughs> I'd probably say I look at it and feel a little tired, a little sluggish. The the colors very dark and yeah, reminds me of a nighttime cityscape in today's time with the lights on in the office and things like that. So <laughs> yeah. And those were St. Louis Art Museum patrons Holbert Walner, uh, Tamara Landrum, Mary Steinhugel, Barb Wolf, Paul Schultz, David Zimmerman, and Chase House. Starry Night Over the Rhone is part of Malay and Modern Art from Van Gogh to Dolly. The show opens Sunday at the St. Louis Art Museum. And joining us today to talk about it is Simon Kelly. He's the curator of modern and contemporary art at the St. Louis Art Museum, and he co-curated this show. Simon Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, it's good to be here. So just getting a painting like Starry Night Over the Rhone on loan is quite a coup for the art museum. How unusual is it to have this painting here in St. Louis? Um, I think it's actually the first time it's ever been in St. Louis. So, yeah, pretty unusual. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a great painting. Van Gogh only ever did two Starry Nights. Mm. Um, and actually, we've been using the title Starry Night in the exhibition because that's the title that the Musée d'Orsay uses. And, and that's its true home. It, yeah, that's its, and, yeah, it comes from the Musée d'Orsay. Um, and that's, actually, that's a title that Van Gogh himself used. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very rarely lent that, that painting uh, by the Musée d'Orsay. So, you know, it's really an, an exceptional opportunity um, for people to see. And it's a, it's a stunning painting. We had some of our listeners describe it for us. Mm. But as a professional, tell us a little bit about this. How does it differ from the Starry Night at the MoMA? I mean, this one is different because uh, for a start, it's painted outdoors. Um, the one at MoMA is, is much more a sort of 
sort of fictive image. Um, so we know that, you know, Van Gogh actually painted, you know, he put his easel by the side of the river. Uh, there's a kind of mythology that he had candles around his hat, you know, as he was painting it to illuminate him. I don't think that's true. I, think oh, it was actually, I want that to yeah, be true. Yeah, I know you want it. To, I, I want it to be true too. But, um, but it was actually painted by gaslight. Okay. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but I, you know, I think that's something that's unique about the work that it was painted outdoors, and it's kind of a you know, it's a beautiful study of both natural light. You can see the Big Dipper in the sky. That's mm-hmm. kind of interesting for anybody who's, who's interested in the night sky that you can, it's a pretty close, you know, there's a close study of astronomy there. And then alongside that, there's a sort of fascination with, with the, you know, the artificial light of, of the city. So you can see all the gas lights, which are just painted with these amazing kind of globs of paint, you know, sort of thick globs of paint. Um, so, I mean, it's a, it, you know, it's, it's an amazing painting and it's really a gift that it's here in St. Louis. And so that one's such a showstopper, but it's not alone in this exhibit in, in stopping the show. Hopefully, what are yeah. what are some of the other highlights that you've been able to bring in for this show? I mean, I think, you know, the Van Gogh's, you know, we have 14 Van Goghs in the show. Um, so the Starry Night is the best known, but there are some other great, you know, paintings. There's a, for example, there's a painting called The Sower. Um, which is a you know really iconic uh, work, which is coming from the Van Gogh Museum, who are our mm-hmm. partners on the show. Um, there are some great Dalis in the show, which I think will fascinate people. Uh, there's a Monet haystack. You know those those are tough to get. You know those loans. Um, you know it's really a, a sort of incredible range of works, and of course you know you can't forget the Millets. You know the Millets are, <laughs> are the you know the origin of the show, and you know we have the Angelus, which is. Um, you know, an iconic painting, again, like Starry Night, that never travels, really. And, and that, you know, that's coming from the Musée d'Orsay and was really the, you know, the best-known modern painting uh, at the end of the 19th century. So I want to talk about Millet in just a moment, but the Angelus, tell us about this. What makes this such a big deal as far as paintings go? I mean, I think, um, you know, at, at, the end, at, at the end of the 19th century, it came up at auction, it achieved the highest price uh, for any modern painting. So there's that kind of essential... Uh, sort of commercial aspect to it, but it kind of became the symbol of France, you know, at, at that time, and that continues even to this day in, in France. And what does it depict that the French uh, felt like this? I mean, this it, was their symbol. It, it depicts two rural workers who are stopping to say a prayer. Mm-hmm. So they're, the Angelus, they're stopping to say the Angelus prayer, um, which you know, in the 19th century in, in France was a crucial way of actually sort of regulating time in the countryside before wristwatches. Um, so they're saying a prayer. So it's about piety. Um, it's about labor because they're working in the fields. And it's also about, you know, there's kind of the kind of fruitfulness of the land. So there's all of those elements that kind of combine to to sort of produce an image that um, I guess was a flattering one for France. I guess the French thought so because it has become an iconic image. They so. wanted to think of themselves as, as both pious and agrarian. Was yeah, I, think, I, well, I mean, it's complicated, but I, but I think so, yes. And yeah, I think that's, that's, that's really it because France is... You know, it, it's a, even now it's it's you know it's a really agricultural country. There's a you know big you know it's a large country and you know expansive fields and um, so I think that you know as you say it's a piety, it's it's a connection to rural life, um, it's a labour, it's all of those elements. So you, as you mentioned, the reason that all of these paintings are here is Jean Francois Millet. Mm-hmm. Should people be embarrassed if that name means nothing to them? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think you know he. I mean, that's part of the job of the show. You know, because he was so well known in the 19th century and he was you know, arguably the best known modern painter in the 19th century. But he's not so well known now. Uh, and that's part of the job of the show, you know, to try to sort of, you know, rediscover 
his importance actually and, and his original also the kind of radicalism of his work his work was seen as very radical so we're trying to rediscover that and when we look at his paintings today this does not fit any modern definition mm-hmm. of radical what was he doing that at the time was was, was so radical. explosive i mean he, he was he was painting um you know he's painting the poor the oppressed the marginalized um so his subject matter uh, was was pre- and he was giving them a real sort of dignity and was that um, not done at the time not, not like Millet did it. I mean, I, I think the way he, he does it is different. Um, and I think also at the moment that he's doing it, he's doing it at a time when, you know, the male voters have, have just received the, the or, or the male workers have just received the vote uh, mm. in France. So suddenly they're empowered. So Millet is kind of tapping into that moment. So this was almost uh, political? Yeah, it's definitely political. I mean, I think the radical is part political and it's also part artistic because if you look at his work, it's always grounded in nature, but it becomes very abstract. And that abstraction... Um, kind of the interest in pattern making becomes a key part of his modernity. And so people like Van Gogh and, and some of these great painters that followed him, did they consciously feel that they'd been influenced by him? They did. I mean, Van Gogh wrote a lot about Millet and his correspondence. Um, his, his letters are amazing, but he, he, you know, he, he kind of saw Millet as a sort of father figure, as a sort of mentor for him. Um, and a lot of the other artists too, you know, Pizarro, um, you know, right up to, you know, an artist like Paul Amorazon Becker, you know, the prominent German expressionist artist. And of course, Dali. I mean, Dali wrote a whole book on, on Millet, and particularly on the Millet Angelus painting. And as, as somebody who doesn't know that much about art, when I think of Dali, I don't think of images of, of rural laborers uh, mm-hmm. having moments of piety. What was the connection between what Millet was doing and what Dali did that, that struck such a chord with him? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I think you know, Dali talks about, he gives his own very particular interpretation to Millet's work and he sees it as being enigmatic and sort of troubling and, and having all these, uh, you know, he's a surrealist, so he sees kind of unconscious thoughts as being, um, you know, referenced in, in Millet's um, painting. So I think it's all of that. And, and you'll see in, in the exhibition, we have a group of paintings by uh, by Dali, which give a very, actually, frankly, a very weird sort of bizarre psychosexual reading of. I'm oh, not going to go into. Yeah, it's it's so weird, but it's it's fascinating, and it's you know the paintings are beautifully painted. Everyone should go and see them because they're just so beautifully painted. Um, but they have all these dense kind of layers. Anybody who knows about Dali and what a kind of in many ways a strange artist he he is, will will kind of tap into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I would say to anybody, sort of dig into that a little bit. It's fascinating, really is. We're talking to Simon Kelly. He's the curator of modern and contemporary art at the St. Louis Art Museum, as well as the co-curator of Millet and modern art from Van Gogh to Dali. Um, Simon, I heard a story that uh, Dali had a theory about the Angelus, uh, uh, that yes. he was sort of seeing a conspiracy <laughs> there. What, what what was he up to with that? I mean, I, I don't think it's so much just a conspiracy, but he, he did think that it was a burial scene. So he, it is they weren't praying they yeah, were mourning they're mourning yeah so he right he, he thought they were actually mourning the death of their son uh, and he asked the Louvre to, to do an x-ray of the painting and when the Louvre did that they found a sort of rectangular shape underneath the, the basket of potatoes at the bottom I think that uh, my personal opinion is that was probably just underdrawing for the basket um, but for Dali that became the coffin you know the coffin of the young son um, and from there you know that that becomes a springboard for a, a number of the paintings including those that we have in the exhibition. Interesting. Yeah. So if people want the macabre side of this, there's there's a theory that would support that, yeah. even if you don't buy that theory. I don't buy it, but, I, but I, it doesn't really matter if I buy it. To be, I mean, because, you know, Dali bought it and he has his own, you know, fascinating theory, which is, um, as I say, 
I mean, I, I don't think we have the time to go into it now, to be honest with you, but it's, it's, it's fascinating and, and, and certainly worth exploring. So I find myself wondering, I mean, this guy was such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you say, these record-setting prices, it's not that he wasn't appreciated mm-hmm. commercially. Why do we see, say, Monet gets the postcard treatment today and Millet seems largely unknown? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's not as if he's completely, I mean, I think he's, he's less well known in America, I think in Europe and Japan, you know, J- Japanese love Millet. So he is well known in, in certain parts of the world. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, an artist like, like Monet, he did, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, a lot of the artists tried to try to do in the show is modernize Millet. Mm-hmm. And, and the way they often do that is with, with uh, brighter color. Um, Van Gogh is doing the same. So I think that might be part of it, you know, that the color of Monet or a Van Gogh is, is, you know, Millet's color is beautiful, but it's often a little bit more subdued. Um, we like those vivid colors yeah, today. Yeah, so you like the vivid, you know, right. So the colors of the haystack of Monet that we have in the show almost kind of glows or the or the sewer by Van Gogh. So, um, so I think, you know, Millet's works are maybe a bit more subtle and understated. They are very beautiful. I mean, the, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about the, the Van Gogh Starry Night. Actually, the Millet Starry Night, which is hanging next to it, is a really, I think, a really beautiful painting too. Does it hold up to the Van Gogh? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's just different. You know, it's different. Um, but it's very kind of mystical and enigmatic and... Uh, and they're actually a fascinating comparison. So knowing what you know about Millet's life, how do you think he would feel about the fact that some of his contemporaries or people influenced by him have, have risen so much higher in the consciousness of the public? I mean, I think, that's, I don't know really, that's a good question. I mean, I think he was quite a private person. You know, the most important thing for him was a kind of focus on his work. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was happy with what he was doing, I think he would have been content. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I don't think he necessarily been, you know, felt particularly jealous or you know, anything like that. Uh, I think he would be, he'll probably be glad that his his work has become the sort of catalyst for all these later, uh, all these later paintings and drawings and you know, and pastels. So I think he'd be happy about that. So this show, I mean, for anybody who wants to get up to speed on this guy or just see some great paintings, it, mm-hmm. it's a tremendous opportunity. I'm wondering what was the impetus for doing this here and, and doing it now. Um, I mean, I think it was, I mean, the sort of idea of the show is to argue for a different narrative, or a, a new narrative for the history of modern art. And, you know, think about the sort of standard narrative is often with Manet. Um, so to think about a different originating artist, Millet, um, it goes back to actually 2010, you know, from when I was, you know, first starting to think about this. And then, you know, we, we're at the museum, I, we, you know, we started to talk to the Van Gogh Museum. Uh, because Van Gogh loved Millet, they became a sort of natural partner. And then, then it just developed from there. You know, I, I you know, traveled around the world with my, my co-curator, Maita Van Dyke, from the Van Gogh Museum. Um, we went to Japan, went all around Europe, all around America, you know, just seeing these works and sort of building the, the thesis for the show. Um, so I think that's it, really. So hopefully it will get people to, you know, think about what modern art really means uh, and think about, you know, Millet's uh, important position within that tradition. And now that you've built this show, is this something that um, other museums will end up picking up? I mean, I think, well, it's, it's, I mean, the show, in part because the loans are so so kind of unique and, and, and often, you know, work like the Starry Night. Starry Night was not in, in the Amsterdam venue of this exhibition at the Van Gogh Museum. It's only in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So we, we do have some great, you know, I've, I've worked on a number of shows since I've been at the at the museum, and I think this one has the most uh, exciting range of loans in it. Um, but because they are so exciting, they offer... It makes a, it harder. A, they're only lent to one venue. So like, you know, let's say Starry Night or the Angelus, um, or Starry Night is just coming to us. Um, mm-hmm. So I think... 
you know, that's part of why we haven't traveled it beyond St. Louis. So this is, you know, it, it, it was in Amsterdam. So this, if you want to see it, you have to see it here. Come see it here. Yeah. Well, Simon Kelly, a curator of modern and contemporary art at the St. Louis Art Museum. Thank you for joining us today. Great, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thank you. And here to sing us out is James Bertels with Don McLean's Vincent. Uh, Bertels is a local teacher, and you may have heard him sing the national anthem at St. Louis Blues Games. Shadows on the hills sketch the trees and the daffodils Catch the breeze and tomorrow on St. Louis on the Air, I'm taking a day off the air, but host Emily Woodbury will talk to a judge about the city's warrant amnesty program. We'll learn about new historic sites being added to the roster in Illinois, and we'll meet a bull rider coming to town to unleash the beast at the Enterprise Center. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air are available wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Fenske. Perhaps they'll listen now. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.